All right, you may be seated. Well, I first just want to say, Brother Robert, thank you. Such a good reminder of our scripture reading of the, the purity, the sanctity, the beauty of marriage, the gift of God's grace. So young people, I hope you took that to heart this morning. And then I also want to say thank you to our sister church, again, Treasure Island Baptist Church. It uh, is extremely cold outside today, especially for South Florida. And for a sister church to be kind enough uh, to allow us to use their facility is a, another gift of God's grace. Amen? Amen. So as you see our brothers and sisters in the Lord of this church family, please make sure you tell them uh, thank you uh, for doing that. Uh, let's turn to Mark chapter 7. We're going to continue on of our series of the gospel of the suffering servant, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came to seek and to save the lost, his people. The message today from Mark 7 verses 1 through 13 is simply the word of God versus the traditions of men. The word of God versus the traditions of men. Let's pray together. Lord, as we turn in our Bibles, it's another reminder of your amazing grace. God, I'm humbled to be able to stand up here. It's only by your grace. Lord, we have your word in our heart language. We have a place that we could meet this morning. Father, that we even uh, appreciate that we're passionate about the preaching and teaching of your word. God, it's only by your grace. It's surely not anything that we have done. And so, Lord, I pray as feeble and weak as I am. God, use me today to preach and teach your word. And then I pray for your people today, God. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. We need it. Your word is life. As the apostle Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, son of the living God. You're the savior, the Lord. Where else could we go? So by your grace this morning, we understand, God, there's nowhere else that we can go. Be glorified, change hearts, work through the power of your gospel. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. So one thing you guys know, if you've been around the life of Everglades long enough, is that we do believe passionately in the inerrancy, the sufficiency, the authority the power, the inspiration of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, apart from the Word, we're nothing. There is nothing. This is all about the glory of God. And in this passage today, we are going to see the utmost importance that we as a church family continue to hold to this conviction that the word of God is authoritative and the word of God is sufficient. This has nothing to do with the traditions of man, the philosophies of man, the thinking of man. It really has to do with 
God. He knows best. In these 13 verses that we're about to read, you will see eight references to the traditions of man, the traditions of the elders, the oral traditions of the religious leaders of the Jews. Verses, there are five references to the commandments of God, the word of God that Moses said, speaking on behalf of God. And so you see this contrast of the traditions of man versus the word of God. But we have to remember that in no way, shape or form are they equal in no way, shape or form. Are they on the same playing field? God's word can never be voided and it will always accomplish what God sets it out to accomplish. Everglades Baptist Church this morning, we must be willing to die for the word of God. This is one of those things, this message today, that you, by the grace of God, through the love of God, through the truth of God, you should be ready and willing to give your life's blood for the truth of the word of God. It is that important. And so let's read from God's word, Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said unto them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said unto them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you handed down and many such things you do. Now, when we think about the traditions of man, with that comes the sin of legalism. Now, the word legalism is not really found in the Bible, but it is something that is a significant error that has been uh, has happened uh, throughout church history. Legalism, you see, occurs when there's an emphasis on a system of rules and regulations for achieving salvation or any other kind of spiritual growth. Now, this legalism can take different forms. Probably 
the worst would be that we somehow can be justified or made right with God through our own goodness or through our own works, that we can keep the law of God, the word of God in our own power and own strength. And so therefore, God would accept us based off of our own righteousness, our own goodness, our own obedience. That is a lie. That is not true. Pastor Jim has been preaching from the book of Romans. We are justified by what? Faith alone, in Christ alone, through God's grace alone. It has nothing to do with us. It is a work of God's grace, a work of his spirit, a work of the truth of his word, the gospel that gives us a new heart that leads to repentance and faith. So we are not justified before God through our works. That's a form of legalism. Now, another form of legalism is what we looked at last week in the first part of Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. This is when these man-made traditions, these traditions of the elders, these oral traditions are elevated to a level of being the same as Scripture or even in some cases put above Scripture. So do you remember how the Pharisees, the scribes, they came to Jesus and they said, hey, Jesus, your disciples are not washing their hands according to the traditions of the elders. Now, they didn't say not washing their hands according to the word of God. They said washing their hands according to the tradition of the elders, because in their mindset and their thinking, their oral traditions were the same level and authority as the word of God. You see, Jesus wasn't in sin. We know that his disciples were not in sin. We know that the ones that were in sin were the Pharisees and the scribes, and they were committing the sin of legalism. They had elevated their traditions to this point of authority that to speak to be right with God, to be right spiritually, you had to follow what they said. And we talked about how that takes the form of the the Mishnah of all these Jewish things that were written down the Talmud. But guys, it is not the word of God. So when you look at verse eight, this is why Jesus, after he had called them hypocrites, by the way, after he had said they were vain in their worship. Look at what he says in verse eight. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. Major error, major sin. You think you're right with God based off of your traditions, your teachings, instead of the commandments of God. And now we're going to come to our passage for today, verses 9 through 13, and we're going to see another form of legalism. And R.C. Sproul called this loopholeism. I like that little term, loopholeism. This is when you are trying to twist a little bit or find a way to get around what you know the word of God clearly says. So by the way, for my OCA students out there, this is when Mr. Phillips will say in class, please have a seat. And so my students, they will, because they're aggravating me, they'll sit on the floor or they'll try to sit on the table or they'll sit in somebody else's seat. They're trying to loopholeism the situation of getting around they know they're supposed to be in their seat that class is starting 
But to get at Mr. Phillips, to aggravate me a little bit, they'll do that. Now, that's not a very serious form of loopholeism. Definitely not as serious as what we're going to talk about today. But you get the point. And any parent would understand this of a child. Well, you didn't really say, and that's why I didn't do, you know, take it out of the trash or whatever. You didn't say get that trash can. And so I only did the one trash can, right? So there's all these different ways. And by the way, we as adults can be guilty as well of the sin of loopholeism. So now let's go to verse 9. Jesus goes on to say to these Pharisees, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. That little phrase there, you have a fine way. Here's what he's getting at when he says that. You have become experts at this, Pharisees. You've learned to skillfully sidestep the word of God. You've learned how to cheat the system, so to speak. They were wise and cunning in their own eyes of trying to get around the word of God. It's legalism is what it is. It's sin. So in verse 10, Jesus, notice what Jesus does over and over. We saw this last week in this passage. We'll see it again today. They go to their traditions. Jesus goes right to the word of God. Everglades Baptist Church, when we're having spiritual conversations, when we're talking to people out in the community, we don't need to share our opinions. We don't need to share our traditions. We don't need to share our philosophies. What we need to share with people is the unadulterated truth of God's word. Amen. And that's what Jesus is going to do. Look at verse 10. For Moses said, and we know that God spoke to Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And he's going to go right to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. That's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Or you could also go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and your father. Then look at what Jesus says. Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. That is also a quote from Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. Jesus is like, by the way, this is what the commandment of the Lord says. And this is such a big deal to not honor your father or mother, to curse them, to speak evil of them. That's what it means by that word revile. The penalty is what? The penalty is death. So by the way, to all the young people in here, honoring and obeying your parents in the Lord is a really big deal before the Lord. So here's a key truth from all of this. The Pharisees came with the word of man. Jesus came with the word of God. So now look at verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say, but you say, okay, so Jesus just gave the authority of God's word. And now he says to these Pharisees, these scribes, these religious leaders, 
but you say. Okay, not God says, but you say. And look at what he says in verse 11. If a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God. So let's unpack that a little bit. That word Corban means a gift, a vow that was taken before the Lord, an offering that was to be given to God. That's what that word means. And this is where the sin of loopholeism comes into play. It's a twisting of the word of God for their own selfish reasons. Leviticus 27, 28. Let's turn there real quick. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 28. Because you're going to see they actually, to some extent here, are using the word of God. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 28. Here's what God says in Leviticus 27, 28. So this is a part of the Torah, first five books of the Bible. But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord or anything that he has, whether man or beast or of his inherited field shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy to the Lord. So they were to devote things of their resources for the glory of God to the service of the Lord. So they would make these vows. They would make these commitments. So, I mean, that part, that was biblical. That was right. But here's the deal. You can't pit the word of God against the word of God. Okay. The word of God doesn't contradict itself. And so the word of God tells us to honor and obey our parents in the Lord which would mean taking care of them, respecting them. And so by what they do here, they actually are trying to use the word, but they're twisting it. They're trying to get around the fifth commandment. What do I mean by that? Korban became a man-made tradition of the Jewish leaders. Because you see, here's what they would do. Mom and dad, we can't help you because we've made this commitment. We've made this vow before the Lord, Korban. So we, we can't help you in your time of need. But then you know what they would do? They would use the money, the resources, and the things for themselves. They would say, we're going to use it for the Lord. We've devoted it to the Lord, so therefore we can't help you. Even though the Word of God says, honor and obey your parents in the Lord. And you say, oh, well, okay, well, that sounds like they're, they're doing what's right. But then it was all for selfish reason and selfish gain. This is wrong on so many levels, guys. Number one, they were being selfish and greedy. They were using the word of God for personal gain. Number two, it nullifies the word of God. Look at what Jesus says. Go back to Mark chapter seven. When they would do this particular vow, look at verse Mark chapter seven, verse 12. Jesus said this, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. 
If you're going to take the scripture out of context and you're going to twist it for your own personal self gain. Now, nobody would be allowed to help their parents or to help others in need because supposedly it's going to be used for the glory and the service of God. Remember what I said earlier? The Pharisees were cheating the system. They were skillfully sidestepping the word of God. Guys, their hearts were wrong. They were rebellious. They were disobedient. They were self-righteous. They were being selfish. And does this still happen today? It sure does. People misuse the word of God all the time to manipulate, to deceive, to use for personal gain. So be careful. Be careful. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verses 4 through 8. I mean, excuse me, 4 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 5. You want to see how important it is to God that we take care of our parents? Look at 1 Timothy. We looked at the Old Testament. We've seen the commandment. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We don't have time to read all of this. I'm just going to read two of these verses. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 4. Paul is instructing Timothy here in these churches. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. So kids, grandkids, we have a responsibility to take care of our parents. I've told you guys this all along. That this is something Mandy and I have to wrestle with. We live here in Florida. Our parents live in North Carolina. And there's that tension of, you know, as their, their health deteriorates. of what is our responsibility before the Lord to make sure that our parents are taken care of? Look at verse 8. Look at what God says. If anyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It doesn't get any more serious than that. A person cannot claim to be committed to following Christ and then neglect to take care of their own family. I mean, this is something we all have to wrestle with for the glory of God of honoring our parents in the Lord. And I want to affirm, I don't know if Drew and Christy are here, here this morning. I don't see them. It's kind of different being here inside of where people normally are. Um, but I have watched them. You guys have watched them take care of Drew's mom, Miss Celestina, for many, 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 many years now. And I know there's many others of you guys. And I want to say thank you. Because many of you, I have watched you take care of you know, parents or other family members. And that, that glorifies the Lord. It's our responsibility uh, to do that. And so what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing, Jesus is calling them out. He's telling them, you're sinning before the Lord. Remember what R.C. Sproul said I shared with you last time? Every time we add to the law of God, which is what they were doing, we inevitably subtract from it. 
The word of God is clear. We don't add or take away from it. All right, let's go back to Mark 7. So we've seen Jesus calling them out for their sin of legalism, their self-righteousness, their commitment to the tradition of man and not holding to the commandment of God. And he gives this example of even with the fifth commandment of how they were doing that. And then look at what he says in verse 13. He says, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. I mean, this is the other serious thing here is they were handing this down to others. They were teaching these lies, these untruths to others. Now, when it says you are making void, that means to invalidate or to nullify the word of God. I like how the King James Version puts this. You're making the word of God of none effect. You're basically saying what we have to say is more important than the word of God. That is foolishness and that is dangerous. That is sinful. That is wrong. I said this last week. If everybody's Baptist church ever got to the point where Pastor Jim, Pastor Doug, or myself, or whoever's up here is not preaching and teaching the Word of God, you should be outraged. No. God forbid. This is about God's Word. This isn't about man's schemes and systems and methods and ways. This is about God accomplishing His work through the power of His Word. Look at verse 13, the second part of it. Jesus goes on to finish up this section and many such things you do. So this wasn't like a one time thing. This was their way of life. Many such things. There were like hundreds and hundreds of pages of this Mishnah and this Talmud that was put together of all these traditions, all these things that they had from the washing of hands to how they handled the Sabbath day to even we saw here the fifth commandment of honoring and obeying uh, their parents. So what's the takeaway when we think about all this? What does this mean for us as a local church in the 21st century? Number one, don't ever add or take away from the word of God. Amen. John Phillips said this, one of the commentaries that I read, the Pharisees pointed to their traditions. Jesus pointed us to God's inspired truth. So I don't know about y'all, but if Jesus in his ministry preached and taught the word of God and constantly pointed us to the word of God, why in the world would we think that we should do something different than what the Lord Jesus Christ did when it came to ministry? Colossians chapter two, verse eight. Look at this warning. Colossians two, eight. We've read this passage many times. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about this. See to it that no one takes you captive, enslaves you by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. It's the same warning. 
Hear me say this morning, first and foremost, when you think about salvation, we are all sinners against the Holy God. Pastor Jim has made this so clear in preaching through the book of Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the only way that you can be made right with the Holy God, the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who owns you, is to look to Christ. Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, his death, his resurrection three days later, that it's only through Christ that we can be saved, rescued from our sin. You must repent, turn from sin, turn from selfishness, turn from human ways and look to Christ. It's the only way that you can be forgiven and have eternal life. And now for those of us that are in the faith, how do we grow in the gospel? Through the gospel, through the word. So you come to a right relationship with God through trusting in Christ alone. And you grow in a relationship with God through Trusting in Christ alone. That's sanctification. We're being cleansed. We're being set apart moment by moment, day by day, by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, through the Word of God. Not by human traditions, not by human philosophies. So sometimes we miss that, right? We may say on the front end, yes, we're saved by God's grace alone through faith in Christ alone. But, and then we think that somehow we mature in the faith through our own methods and ways. Not right. It's wrong. And that's what Jesus is getting at. So that's the first takeaway. Don't add or take away from God's word. Now, number two, the Lord hates and will destroy men filled with wickedness and lies. You need to hear me say that this morning. The Lord hates it and he will destroy it. What do you mean, Pastor Eric? Look at Psalm chapter five, verses four through six. I want you to see how dangerous this is. Jesus hated what the Pharisees were doing. If you don't think so, read Matthew 23 at some point in your own time and all the woes that Jesus pronounced of the judgment against the Pharisees. Why do you think the Pharisees were so ready to kill Jesus? Because he wouldn't submit to the authority of their teachings, their traditions. He only submitted to the word of God, the will of the Father. That's why there was the crucifixion. It was the sinfulness of man. I mean, we know it was ordained by God. It was the plan of God. But it was the sinfulness of man coming against the authority of God. Look at Psalms 5, 4 through 6. You'll see the same thing. <coughs> You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Guys, God couldn't be any more clear about this. It's sin against the holy God. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. God will say the same thing through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5, 20 and 21.
You want to talk about a passage that exemplifies American culture today? It's Isaiah chapter 5, 20 and 21. Look at what it says. Woe to those who call evil good. That is happening every single day. And good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21. Woe, which means a pronouncement of judgment to those who are heroes at drinking wine, valiant men and mixing strong. Oh, I went down to 22. My bad. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Wise in their own eyes, shrewd in their own sight. I shared with you guys last week, one of the. The most popular phrases now when you when you look on social media, the experts say, the experts say, well, the Lord God Almighty is the experts. He's the mighty counselor. And I don't care what anybody else has to say. Nothing compares to what God has to say in the truth of his word. And I'm telling you this morning, the word of God is sufficient for everything that pertains to life and godliness. So finally, as we're about out of time. Number three, the takeaway, love and reference God, reverence God's word, love God's word with a passion, with a delight. I mean, the traditions of man, like I told you, it's not even on the same playing field. So why would we spend all our time, effort and energy on the traditions of man when we have the word of God in our heart language? Pastor Doug exhorted us just a few weeks ago. To love God's word, to delight in it, to hunger, to thirst for righteousness. And I want to leave you with Josiah. I thought of you, Pastor Tom. Second Chronicles chapter 34. This was awesome. Turn there real quick. I promise we'll close with this. Second Chronicles chapter 34. If you know anything about the story of Josiah, he came after the evil, wicked king Manasseh in the southern kingdom. And Manasseh, I think it was for 55 years Total idol worship, people being led away from the word of God to the point they didn't even know where the word of God was. It had been completely lost. They were completely dominated by self-talk, uh, man-made traditions, worshiping idols, the things of the world. The, the word of God wasn't even existent anymore. And by the way, that could happen right here in America. We're not faithful to the word of God. And so Josiah comes on the scene and by the grace of God, the word of God is found in the temple. They're, they're beginning to repair the temple. And I think it was Hildiah comes across the word of God and he brings it to Josiah. He's like, we have found the word of the Lord. And they begin to read it. He reads it uh, out loud to the king, King Josiah. And he's like, Woe is us. God's wrath is upon us. And so Josiah begins to make all these different reforms and he begins to read the word. I just want to look at 2 Chronicles 34, 31 through 34. Look at how the king responds. There's so much more here. We just don't have time. But 31 through 34. And the king, this is 2 Chronicles 34. Verse 31. The king stood in his place and he made a covenant before the Lord. To walk after the Lord and to keep his what? Commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart, all of his soul, 
to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territories that belonged to the people of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. There was revival. There was genuine repentance. There was a, a confession of sin. There was a turning from sin, turning from the world, a turning to God, a turning to Christ. And Josiah was a man that loved and desired God's word. Guys, that's what we need. That's what our church needs. That's what our community needs. That's what America needs. That's what the world needs. It's the preaching, the teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and we'll we'll pray and then we'll sing. Father, your word is precious. The word is good. The traditions and the teachings of man in no way, shape or form, God, compared to your word. Lord, please forgive me of all the time that I waste on stuff that at the end of the day really doesn't matter. We can get caught up in so many discussions. Lord, we need to be caught up in your word. We need to be reading it and studying it and sharing it and have gospel conversations amongst our church family and our own families and at our workplaces. And so, Lord, we pray that you would stir the hearts of your people. God, bring us under the authority of your word. God, grant us repentance and faith. God, bring lost and dead souls to life. We pray for our family members, family members that are not in the faith, that God, you would rescue them, you would save them. Father, I pray for any that are here this morning, that they've heard the truth of your word, that God, their hearts would be convicted, they would be broken. In Christ, they would look to you and know that in you there's forgiveness, there's eternal life, there's new life. So God, we need you. I pray that we would be a church that just faithfully preaches and teaches the word of God. And it's in your name that we pray together. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing and we will worship the Lord through song.